Welcome to today's episode of the Walking With You podcast. I'm Dina Adams, your host, and I am here with Tom Ruwich today. He is the CEO of Story. Dang it, I'm going to botch it. Story Power Marketing. <laughs> and I really love, like, Tom is such a laid back, do what needs to be done, get in and just help and keep moving forward kind of person. And I, his, his personality is very refreshing in an industry where people are so rigid and so focused on got to hurry up and get things done. So Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Dina. Thank you for saying that, that, that clearly was from you and from the heart. That was not a line that I wrote into my bio and, and, but I think you, you, uh, describe me in a way that I appreciate and and that's meaningful because I, I think it is about part part of what I teach and part of what I work with my clients on is you have to show up as who you are because if you show up in your content with some uh, voice that is not who you're going to be when you work with your clients, there's ultimately going to be disconnect. And that applies to if you use a copywriting robot to write your stuff and then you meet with the person in person, uh, you know, good luck reconciling the difference. Uh, same thing, you know, just, just be yourself, be authentic, be the person you are, come to the table uh, with, with personality and authenticity, and it will ultimately pay off and it will lead to long lasting relationships. Because if you're going to serve your clients and work with them, you have to be who you are uh, in, in that can, work as well. So I, I, I completely agree with that. you. Yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. Um, and that's one of the things like, Yes, for my podcast episodes, I always get a bio from everyone so I can share it in the in in the description so people know a bit more in detail who they are. Yet I like to share my perspective of that person. Yeah. Cuz it does tell one, it tells my guest whether or not who they're attempting to show up as is coming through. Yeah. And two, it really gives the listeners a sense of can I align with this person? Are those values that are important to me? Does that matter to me and who I'm wanting to connect with and work with and add into my circle um, or pay as a coach or as a service for for my business? And so I really like being able to to share those with, I do that with every single guest that I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that. You're so welcome. So would you please share who you are, what you do, and who you serve in your business? And we'll Absolutely. get to that way. Absolutely. So I am Tom Ruich, and, and I'm the CEO and founder of Story Power Marketing. I'm based in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, coaches, authors, uh, uh, professional service providers, anyone who packages their expertise for sale to serve clients, they hire me to power up, pardon me, they hire me to power up their creative content because most of them are dishing out the same old boring blah, blah, blah stuff. And then they suffer from writer's block while they do it. And then they get frustrated when prospects and clients tune out and move on. So I teach them how to transform their content from boring to brilliant how to turn the marketing process from frustrating to fun. And yes, I said fun, marketing and fun in the same sentence. Um, 
and ultimately how to transform the bottom line. This is about standing out, attracting prospects, making sales. And you can do that if you create the kind of content that puts your genuine and authentic self out there, gets people to notice you, and gets people to know, like, and trust you. I think that's fabulous. One of the things that that I will say is marketing is not a forte of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been blessed to have someone that I've worked with for a couple of years that has that same perspective of authenticity, right? Yeah. And so when you talk about that, the first thing that comes into my mind is my story. Mm-hmm. Like we as mainly my audience is solo entrepreneurs, online entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things a lot of people struggle with is telling their story. Yeah. And so that is, I would say, the driving factor for this series of guests this year, which is overcoming your story of overcoming to get to where you are in business and yeah. what has that looked like and what were the challenges that you faced in your personal life and your business life that you and how did you overcome them to then be where you are and so i'm really looking forward to you sharing your story today because this will be a really good connecting point for people to hear how you hear your story and to hear how you now have turned this i mean and made it an amazing company that helps so many people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm happy to share my story. And I'll note that the parts of my story that I'm going to share are designed, number one, to be relevant to your audience, because that's, that's why I'm here to connect with mm-hmm. you and your audience. And to the extent that I share elements of my own personal story and stories and the mm-hmm. slices of life with my audience when I'm sending emails or posting to social, it's all for the purpose of helping them see themselves in my story. In other words, my story is relevant to them only to the extent that it reflects the journey that they're on. And one of the problems that I see in with so many of the so-called storytelling coaches or gurus who are out there is they say that, oh, storytelling for business is all about coming up with your legendary origin story and tell people about the ditch you climbed out of or the or the garage where you invented the widget. And all of that stuff can be valuable and important. But what happens is, is that a lot of people come up with these origin stories that have no relevance or meaning Mm -hmm. to the audience that they're talking to. And that's an enormous mistake. When I talk about storytelling for business and begin to teach my clients how to do it, what I ask them to do is begin by discovering their prospects and client stories. What makes your prospect and client tick? What's the journey that they're on? What's the frustration or the fear or the problem that they're grappling with? What's the mountain that they want to climb? Where do they want to go? What's on the other side? And if you can evoke that journey before to after, if you can empathize with them and and feel what they're feeling before, if you can envision with and for them where they want to go, then you have the building blocks for evoking a story, crafting a story that tells about a powerful journey. And then if if they feel like, yeah, you get me, you understand the journey I want to take, they're going to ask you, how do we do it? 
Now you've been invited to tell them about your products and services, to explain how you enable the journey. So I, I use three E's in that description. Empathize, envision, enable. Empathize, envision, enable. And that's what I call the three E storytelling framework for understanding your prospect's story, describing it, and then making that connection with them. That's not to say that stories about you and your own origin stories are not relevant, but you want to make choices about which stories you tell by filtering them through those three E's. Are they going to be relevant and meaningful to your prospects based on the empathy, the envisioning, and the enabling that you've already worked on as you've discovered their stories? I love that you said filter your stories. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges I've had in my business is what story do I actually tell? Because I have mm -hmm. so many stories of overcoming. Some overlap, some impact each other. And it, it's one of those things where I have so many stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're in a soap opera all the time. Right. <laughs> but and, and at the same time, it can make you feel like you don't have a story yeah. because they do tend to um, overlap or because of this thing, then this thing happened and there's a snowball effect. And so when you talk about the empathizing, the envisioning and the enabling, I think it's so important, a good framework, I guess, that when we're looking at our story and who our audience is and what their struggles are and what they're going through and how we help and serve them, right? it really helps you take out some of the stories that may not impact anybody yeah. or they're not, it will impact someone, but they're not your audience. That's and right. so that's a really great framework to help us just take one quick look over the story we're telling. Mm -hmm. And does it fall within these things? Is your, and because a lot of times people say, well, I'm getting no engagement. I'm getting none of this. I'm not getting anything happening. Yeah. And it could be that it's not that you're telling your story wrong or not using the right words. It's maybe you're not telling the right story. You're not, you're people. not connecting. Yeah. You're right? not There's no alignment. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, the, the, you can look at it another way also you can you, you said a moment ago yeah i have all these stories but i'm not sure if if they're relevant most of the time most of the time the stories that you have at your fingertips the slice of life experiences that are your own stories your first person in those stories things <laughs> you might read in a book or see in a movie something that happens to a client something you read about online a news story or something we're surrounded by interesting entertaining anecdotes but they're just that they're anecdotes they're meaningless unless you can connect the dots to whatever may be meaningful to your clients and and what I find as we teach our clients how to do this is that if they really dive deep and understand what makes their prospects tick and what are those relevant things, what are the lessons I want to share with them and why, they usually can connect the story, the anecdote 
with something meaningful. So uh, I'll give you an example of this. This is a story in my own life where I had an experience with my son. He is a uh, fly fisherman. I'm a fly fisherman uh, as a hobby. He's a fly fisherman professionally. He's a guide. And it wasn't always that way. I was the first guy to take him fishing when he was a little kid. I was the I was the big man. I knew how to do this. This was dad leading the kid along the, the road. And then when he was in his early 20s, we, we went out to Colorado together and spent a day fishing. And he caught 43 fish and I caught two. Oh, and, my gosh. <laughs> and it was humbling and it was humiliating at the same time. It was, it was joyous and I was proud of my kid, but the little competitive and ego-y side of me was uh, a little taken aback. And I went back to the office a few days after this vacation in Colorado, and I knew I had a good story, but I wasn't positive what it was. And I was reflecting on that day. And then I was reflecting on a conversation I had with him afterwards. And I said to him, you know, Jake, how do you do it? How, you know, what's your secret? And he said, well, dad, I put my fly on the water. And, and then it, it clicked for me because I understood my clients and I understood that one of the things they suffer from and that I teach them to work through is analysis paralysis is uh focusing not focusing too much on the the planning and the thinking through and not releasing their work editing and editing and editing or or uh uh you know i just need to work on this course just a little bit more this idea of not releasing their work and when jacob said that to me um it didn't click in the moment, but a few days later, I thought, here's this interesting and entertaining story or anecdote, and let me think about where it fits. And only because I had spent time going through a process of thinking about what are the things I want to teach to my clients, part of them being mindset, work through analysis paralysis, get in the arena. Uh, get over the perfection problem. Um, all of those things are things I teach. I realized, oh, you know what? This anecdote, it's about that. And so when I told the story, I had a whole lot of fun. There was a whole lot of personality. There was a line in the email about how, yeah, I caught two as in I'll have two scoops of ice cream with my humble pie. And, um, you know, just lines that, that, have a little personality and a little storytelling oomph to them. But then ultimately I shared this. I asked Jacob what it was that was the difference. And he said this thing that at first I didn't understand. He said, dad, I put my fly on the water while I'm fiddling, tying knots, changing flies, trying to just figure out the weather patterns or whatever the heck might be a factor. He's just out there, you know, fishing putting his fly on the water, being in the game. And it was a really important and profound business lesson. And it was relevant to my clients. And there, therein lies the powerful business lesson here that 
the story in and of itself has no meaning, but the story connected with this idea, do you ever feel stuck? Do you ever feel like you're not getting anything done? Do you ever feel like all of the other, all of your competitors and the people around you are hauling in fish while you're going hungry? Well, here's one reason why you're not putting your fly on the water. And if I had just written an email that was just a blah, blah, blah lecture, it's very important that you don't get stuck in analysis paralysis. And here are five lessons. Here are five tips to stay focused and make sure that you get in the game. Sure, I could have written that blog post. So could a, a AI copywriting bot. Um, so could 8,000 other people. But what I did is I put out a story that was about me, that had personality, that had entertainment, that was amusing, and that had a profound and important business lesson. And I guarantee that more people who got that read to the bottom, responded to whatever call to action I had at the bottom, and knew, liked, and trusted me more than they would have had I written the typical blah, 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 information only, only uh, email. So the takeaway there for all of you who are watching or who are listening is that we're surrounded all the time with interesting, entertaining anecdotes. And we can pluck those from our life and turn those into meaningful stories but they're only meaningful stories to the extent that they're relevant to the prospect and client journey that we're trying to evoke. It makes me think about the challenge I have when I'm, I write differently than I talk. Mm -hmm. And yep. so when I'm talking, I do much better integrating a story. Mm -hmm. When I write, it is very rigid, very bullet, like very detailed, very right. uh, professional, right? It's that professional writing mm -hmm. when I'm writing for work. Now, if I'm writing in my journal, like my, it's, my thought process is so different based on where I'm at. Yeah. And one of the challenges I have found going from working in corporate America Mm -hmm. to working for myself, I've had to, I don't want to say reframe, but I've had to discover what beliefs I have around business mm -hmm. and be ready to stop believing those things <laughs> and just yeah. what I want to believe in running my own business because it's yeah. very different. Yep. And even when I ran my own accounting company, that was very different than being a life, faith, and business coach and the way I serve entrepreneurs now, as opposed yeah. to what I did, you know, 12 years ago. And so I think it's so important for people to recognize that when you are taking all of this amazing advice from Tom and you're looking at how you write your story and how you integrate your story with what connects with your audience, take a moment to recognize where it's all coming from too, because that's still the, the, I mean, I could start visualizing all these emails that I've written and all these things going, oh my God, that's so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think you've, you've sort of answered the implied 
question here um, of, well, you know, what, what can I do to make the emails better? And you've got, you put your finger on one of the things that we teach, which is write your emails like you talk, write your emails as if you're putting them in your journal, um, because um, ultimately that's the authentic you, that's the voice. And you know, you, you made a distinction between you as an accountant and you as a coach. And I would challenge you and ask, you know, when you had relationships in your accounting work with your best clients, picture mm -hmm. those moments when they were in your office and having a conversation with you. Were you the person, were you talking to them in the voice that you used in an email? Here is the latest tax law and its impact on you and the five tips that you must know. I am a professional CPA. Here are the initials after my name. And these are the very important tips. Blah, 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 blah. Information only. My guess is that you had meaningful business relationships with clients where they would come into the office. You'd have human conversations in human tones of voice about important business things but but it was built around you know well let's look at it and i'm speculating about exactly what the business was but you yeah. know hey let's let's talk about finding some tax savings here and hey that that's going to help you go on a vacation tell me about your vacation i want to hear about your vacation or whatever the case may be e even when we are quote professional service providers the relationships that we have with our clients are very very human and yet so many business people decide that when they put themselves out there in marketing and sales conversations, that they have to wear this professional mask and be all serious and write the way that they were taught in college or in high school to hear, you know, I'm going to use bullet points and very serious and very professional. And it's not appropriate to tell a joke or to be funny or to write with quote personality. That's not professional nonsense. Mm -hmm. Be yourself, put yourself out there, share your personality. It will feel so, so, so much easier than it feels when you're trying to knock out this stuff. And it's especially important today when somebody can go give ChatGPT or another AI copywriting robot a prompt and say, hey, please write me an email about the latest tax laws and their implications and, and you know, for my clients so that they know what they need to do. And boom, press a button and six seconds later, you have a 250 word blog post or email that has all the information, maybe correct, uh, maybe not, but- Hopefully you know, not plagiarized. Not, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, it's a, there's a fine line about how that the whole yep. plagiarism thing works. But in any case, this mountain of information is just growing exponentially. And if you're going to just dish out more information with no personality, or mm -hmm. especially if you're going to rely on a copywriting robot, you may make it quick, but all you're doing is quickly making another needle that's being tossed onto this haystack of information only sameness. You have to put yourself out there with personality and storytelling and stuff that helps you stand out or else you'll, you'll just be another needle in the haystack and go unnoticed. And I think that's where it, the perfectionism, the overanalyzing, the overthinking, mm -hmm. because we always hear copywriting, right? right? 
you have to have good copywriting. And I'm like, well, I've taken courses and I've talked with copywriters and I will tell you, I don't think that way. Therefore, that actually made it learning copywriting yep. from copywriters made it more difficult for me and took out a lot of my personality out of my writing in my business. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think being able to work with with someone who helps you make sure your personality is at the forefront and making sure you're authentic you're authentic in what you're sharing in your emails and and sharing that with your your audience is really really important right. um, so what I'd like for you to do if you would is yeah. um I have a few more business questions for you, but I want to make sure we also get your story and so You would take some time and share us your overcoming story of what it's taken, what you've overcome to get to where you are um, and and help us kind of paint that picture. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll I'll back up to the 90s when I was a newspaper reporter. And so I I worked in traditional print journalism. and, And without belaboring this point, I'll just tell you that I was in a dying industry when it was dying. and. And that took some overcoming. But the first move that I made that helped me to overcome was I began to focus on the online side of the industry and get into the online side of the industry at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Um, that's not the big overcoming story, but that was one move to overcome an industry that was sort of stagnating and dying. And in the late 90s, I co-founded a company hmm. Excuse me, that made software for the primarily the online newspaper industry for uh, processing, collecting, and publishing online sports statistics. And we were killing it. We were doing great. We, were, uh, we grew from the two of us who co-founded the company to 85 people in 18 months. We raised venture capital. We were getting media buzz. We were on target as far as the projections for the company. We were well on our way to uh, what was going to be a, a, a really successful business. And then this was 1999 into 2000, the dot-com boom exploded. So all the money that had come into dot-com flowed out. And even though we were projecting exactly as we had uh, promised in our business plan, the funding for that we continued to need, we were still seeking venture capital funding, dried up went away. Nobody was investing. We had somebody tell us that our projections to become a $100 million company were actually conservative. They said, you're going to become a $100 million company sooner than you project. And then when we said, well, great, when are you going to make the investment? They said, well, we're not investing. Nobody's investing right now. The the market exploded. And uh, so we ended up selling that company. Before we continue on today's conversation, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors who make this podcast possible. Janine Bolin is the authorpreneur's expert when it comes to planned profitability. Before you launch your book, chat with Janine about the next steps you will need to take so that you don't go into debt while publishing and promoting your book. She is the author of 12 books and an online course creator of over 91 programs, broadcaster on 64 public radio stations, and promoting episodes on over 112 internet platforms, Janine sells mistakes. It is cheaper to learn from someone else's mistakes than to make them yourself. So pop by her open Friday coffee sessions on Zoom by registering on her website, authorpodcasting.com. And now back to our conversation. 
And when we had, and, and selling in this case was a euphemism for uh, finding somebody who sort of took on our, our debt. And um, we had to lay off everyone pretty much. Uh, friends and family were among those who were angel investors in this company. And it was devastating. And at that point, this was now late 2000, early 2001, uh, I was, I was down in the dumps. I was bitter about it. I was frustrated. I, I was fearful of what this had done to my reputation. Uh, and I wasn't sure what to do next, but I dusted myself off pretty, pretty quickly. And I, I, I had learned before then that this was really the first time I had to embrace the notion of failing forward of really saying you have to focus on what you can control and not worry about those things that you can't control. And, and whatever factors were involved in, uh, in stumbling or failing or, or falling or whatever, uh, learn from them. And, and I did. And in 2001, I, founded and, and started an email service provider company. And that company made software for uh, creating, delivering, and tracking email marketing campaigns. In 2001, people knew email. Most people had email by that time, um, but AOL was still a big thing then. And very few people had heard of mass email marketing, much less tried it. And there are a lot of, of lessons about how advertising works online and in general and how buyers and sellers connect that I learned out of my time in the media business and, and that I learned from the business that came and went that instructed my decision to get into the email marketing game. But really what, what happened is I focused on what I could control. I took lessons I had learned from uh, rough business experiences, including the in-progress failure of the newspaper industry. And I applied those to create a company that was very successful, that I ran for 19 years, and that ultimately I sold in uh, 2019. Um, along with that software company, which was called MarketVault, I built an agency to provide marketing services in that the software supported because I had a lot of clients who said, great, you know, the, the software is great. Now, what do I do? How do I build a list? How do I actually create email marketing campaigns? And so I, I built an agency around MarketVault and in the work that I did in that agency, we spent a lot of time helping our clients figure out how to create better and more compelling content. And that evolved into what today is story power marketing. In 2019, I sold the software part of the email company. I kept the consulting part and the focus of that consulting had really over the years shifted into helping clients create captivating content. It doesn't matter what channel you use to deliver it, whether it's email, social, posting it as a video on YouTube or TikTok doesn't matter. You have to apply these principles that we talked about earlier. And all of these principles about connecting with clients and having conversations with clients, understanding what makes them tick, 
all of those go back to these days of the business that we started and that failed in the dot com dot uh, dot bomb times back at the late uh, late nineties uh, early two thousands. It's such an interesting story, and I and there's so many lessons to take from that for mm-hmm. our listeners. I think and. Just something I want to point out, and this is something that I took from this story and I like to share because it might hopefully spark if someone's like, well, I don't know that I really got anything. I like to share because you Uh never know it might spark something. Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. For me, as you're talking and you're like, you know, I was in this industry and it was starting to go away and I went into something that sounds extremely different, right? Creating this software company to then transitioning into the consulting side. And now you have this company that helps entrepreneurs. One of the things I know I struggle with at some point and my audience probably has at some point or another or will at some point is, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. And sometimes... We don't recognize that sometimes our business is for a season and then we move on, Mm -hmm. right? You're talking about newspaper journalist, software creator, (laughs) consulting. And I mean, if I look at my background, it's cosmetology and the medical industry and customer service and then going into taxes and then accounting and now speaking and coaching. like Yeah. Sometimes we don't realize that, or maybe maybe the better way to say it is, it's good to let go of the old belief that we have to have one job for the rest of our lives and then retire. That's very old corporate style. As entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs have multiple passions. Mm -hmm. We may have multiple businesses, right? We can speak, we can teach, we can write, we can you know, do all different kinds of things. We can create a software, we can consult. There's so many pieces. The most important is to find one place to start and start telling your story about why that's important to you. We try looking like an Amazon, but Amazon started out selling books. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's a good take on the story. And, And there are a lot of elements of the story that that I include deliberately because they speak, I think, to your audience, as I said before, and they speak to my audience. Um, The whole idea of failing forward, the whole idea of being willing to experiment, the whole idea of it it always for me was uh, client and customer focused. So I came out of a model that had existed for decades that said the best way for a business person or a business entity to connect with an audience, the best way to advertise was to put a display advertisement or a classified advertisement in a publication or on a broadcast. And the promise was that so many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of eyeballs and ears would be exposed to said to said broadcast and of those so many thousands 
your message might resonate with enough to pay the bills um, to for them to pick up the phone. Um, that was a failed or failing model, or at least a flawed model. And the more powerful model is that buyers and sellers can connect with one another. What it and understanding that, understanding that buyers want to hear directly from sellers via email or social media or so forth. Um, to understand the power of that and why in the past 20 plus years, that has been the predominant way that advertising and marketing has succeeded. You have to put yourself in the prospect and the client shoes and not operate from the perspective that so many newspaper publishers and newspaper ad reps operate and say, well, this is the right way to market and advertise and that's the way we're going to do it. And I don't care, you know, pay us or else. Well, they're the failed industry. The the people who understood about let's connect buyers and sellers one-on-one but via email, via social media, via other channels, those are the models that have succeeded and have flowed forward. And the moral of that story is it begins by understanding the needs of the prospect and the client that you're serving. And that's that's a fundamental idea behind what I teach in storytelling. And so I, that's one of the reasons I tell that story because there's a dot that connects it to what my clients need to understand and, and do in their own business today. And so I, because, like, because of that, one of the things that is a need for your audience, and I know my audience alike is, well, what do I tell people? We yeah. know what we know. We know our expertise. Yeah. We see it as common sense, mm. basic knowledge at our level. Yeah. And a lot of times we have a hard time breaking it down and starting from the beginning to tell things to our audience. Mm-hmm. And so one of the challenges that I have run into over the years is two things. Writer's block mm-hmm. and content ideas. Mm-hmm. And so I would like for you to share with us maybe what's a way we can overcome writer's block mm-hmm. and how do we come up with new content ideas? And after so many years, do we really need to be creating new content or could we be repurposing the content we've already created? Yeah, great, great, great question, Dina. So, first, I'll share with you the story of a guy named Eugene Schwartz. Eugene Schwartz was a copywriter, an ad man, a, a madman from the from the 60s, 70s, those days of advertising. And he was one of the most successful ad writers of his day. Magazine ads, print, newspaper ads, mostly. Um, and Eugene Schwartz never suffered from writer's block, not once, and, or so he claims, and I believe him. And when people would ask him about this, one of his, his sayings that's most famous is that content is not written. Content is not written. Content is assembled. So what did he mean by that? Because it's a really profound and important thing to address your question. What he meant by that is that writing and coming up with the ads is not an act of 
creative magic. You don't need to summon a muse or be a creative unicorn. You don't sit in front of the blank page or the blank screen and, and say, once upon a time, and then boom, the creative well just starts flowing and you either have it or you don't. That's not how it works. The way it works is that you gather building blocks and you assemble them. So what are those building blocks? I alluded to this earlier. The building blocks are discovering your prospect stories, empathizing and envisioning. So how do you know what you should talk about? Go and, go and figure out what makes your prospects tick. What's keeping them up at night? What problems are they trying to solve? What are they worried about? What are they frustrated about? Where is it that they want to go, the envision side? What is it that they dream of? What is it that they aspire to? And we're talking about emotional things from stuck to unstuck, from frustrated to relieved, from confused to clear, all of these, these things. And then if you understand what it is they're looking for, you can begin to say, well, here are the ways I can fill in the blanks. Here are the ways I can enable that journey from before to after. And if you can understand the journey, where they are, where they want to go, and what are those pieces of the bridge that enable, okay? In your case, uh, uh, they need to know a certain thing about, or in your case, when you were an accountant, they need to... to this is all the information and lessons that uh, you you teach. Um, you know how to how to save on this thing in your taxes, how to maximize interest, how to uh, not not get audited, how to you know all of those things are not what people are buying. They're not buying that lesson. What they're buying is. I don't want to lie awake at night worrying that the IRS is going to knock on my door, or I don't want to lie awake at night worrying that I'm not going to have enough money when I retire. So if you know what you're selling, the journey, the story, and can evoke that, then, then the building blocks that, that construct that bridge are obvious to you as well, which leads to the second part of your question, repurposing content. Repurposing content is hard if the content that you're putting out there is the same old information only blah, blah, blah stuff. Here is why you need to do this certain tax thing that I'm recommending. Or, or I'll take, for example, a client of mine who's an executive coach who one of the things she teaches is delegation. Before she hired me, she wrote a blog post that uh, was something like, uh, you know, delegation is one of the most important business skills that any business owner can possess. If you don't delegate properly, it can be very difficult in your business. If you delegate properly, it could be very blah, 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 blah. Here are five tips. Again, a computer can write that. Five million other people have written it. If you write it this month, what are you going to write next month about delegation? Okay. Delegation is you're writing about delegation, not because people roll out of bed in the morning and think, gosh, I really want to read a blog post about delegation. You're writing about delegation because the business owner is frustrated and stuck. The business owner is wondering why the people in his company aren't 
you know, pulling their weight. The business owner is, and this is a story we told for this, this client, a true story. The business owner is not going on vacation because he worries if he goes away for more than a long weekend, the whole place will fall apart. And so instead of writing yet another blog post about delegation, what we wrote was a story with this subject line, how a stressed out owner let go and got away. Empathize, stressed out, stuck, never going on vacation. Envision, let go, get away, lie on a hammock on the beach at sunset. That was the photo that went with the email. That short subject line, Think simple, simple, simple. How a stressed out owner let go and got away. That in and of itself is a story. Before and after. And somebody who sees that subject line and that headline is going to say, I'm stressed out. I want to let go. I want to get away. And they're going to read. And they're going to read the story about the owner who never went away for 20 years, never took a vacation longer than three days, and then finally did. And everything turned out great. And his employees were fired up when he returned. And the company is churning and, and, and doing business in ways it never did before. What changed? He learned how to delegate. Here are five tips so that you can delegate better. Now people are reading the story. Now people are tuned in. Now people go from the top of the post to the bottom where the call to action is. If you want to learn more about how you can let go and get away by learning delegation, time management, and all this other stuff that I teach, contact me and we'll do a discovery call. And that is the difference between blah, blah, blah content where people tune out and move on and story-powered content that you know, in a month from now, if she wants to do another post about delegation, she can do another post about delegation. It could be another client story. It could be some story from that she plucks from a movie or a discussion forum. It's so much easier to repurpose important ideas over and over and over again if you frame them in entertaining stories. And nobody is going to say, oh, Hey, Cheryl, you already wrote a story about delegation three months ago. I, you know, no, they're going to read the story again because it's entertaining and it reinforces an idea. So it solves the writer's block problem. And it solves the how do I keep putting emails or social posts out without being repetitive? You can repurpose ideas. It's not the same story every time. But you're, there are only so many ideas that you have to share. And this this is the answer. And you made a good point, too, where it's not always our own story. It could mm -hmm. be a client story. It could be a peer's story. It can be a mentor story. It could be, right. you said, yeah. from a movie. <laughs> Something that people can connect with. We are all about analogies, I think. And when we can have something that people can connect to visually it really helps through telling that story so that's right yeah that's exactly right yeah and and you know i am i am platform agnostic i mean i i ran an email marketing company and i still believe in the power of mm -hmm. email 
But this mm-hmm. is about this is about putting yourself out there with personality and authenticity, which you can do and you you need to do in multiple channels, in multiple channels. So uh, email definitely it can be it doesn't have to be, but it 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 can be a powerful part of it. Social video, you know, you name it. And it also, and this this is a really important point, the skills that you develop, empathize, envision, enable, are going to be skills that you bring to the consultation call. So when you're face-to-face with somebody on on Zoom or across a table in, in in a room, and they're also the skills that you're going to bring to your client and your client work. I've had coaches who work with me on the marketing say, it didn't occur to me that until we were doing this, that the very skills that you're saying I need to bring to my marketing are the skills that I already bring to my coaching. This feels natural, feels, Mm -hmm. it feels authentic. And in fact, some of the things that you've taught me about how to do this for marketing have made me a better coach and a better service provider. And, and that's the point who you are as a coach as a professional service provider, as a a business leader, shouldn't feel remarkably different to you compared to who you are as a marketer and a salesperson. If it feels remarkably different to you, that's when it feels kind of gross, feels inauthentic because it kind of is because you're putting on a different face for a different purpose. No, be yourself empathize, envision, enable, and you're going to be able to serve both prospects and clients in the same way. And when they hire you because of the stories that you're telling in your marketing and sales, they're going to get what they bought when you deliver the service. And that means that the relationship is going to be stronger. They're going to stick with you longer. You're going to have a a more mutually beneficial and lucrative relationship. And they're going to be more likely to refer you to others. That's, I I just feel like I need to sit here and listen to you for like another couple of hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope, I hope you're recording this one. It is recording. (laughs) It is recording. I know that's so crazy that that happened. Uh, it's so great to hear. And I think this is part of part of some of the issue. When people are getting started in entrepreneurship or starting a new business, a lot of them think, and I know I did this when I first got started too, and you know, we all have imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. we doubt ourselves. And then we hear stories mm-hmm. from people who are maybe two steps ahead of us. 20 steps ahead of us, 30 steps ahead of us. And we go, they've have a great story. That's great. They overcame all this stuff. And a lot of times there's no connection of how that story can help them mm-hmm. to keep growing and keep moving forward. Yeah. And so I love about what I love about your story is that. Not only do you share the great moments, you share like a whole journey, even though it's very short because we only have so much time. All right. 
But you share some key points that I think is important for people to recognize is, and this is something that I think about, is know when to let go. Mm. You knew when to let go of a piece of that company and what to hold on to to keep moving forward. Yeah. And so when you talk about failing forward, a lot of people think they have to fail really hard. Like We all have our own perspective of what failure is, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I hope people get from that is encouragement. That to understand there's, no matter where you are in your business, no matter what high you're on or what low you're on or what you're going through, as long as you know that this is what you're supposed to be doing, as long as you know this is when you're supposed to stop and move forward, it doesn't matter what all the other voices in your life are saying. Mm-hmm. especially people who are not entrepreneurs. I've run into this too. People who are not entrepreneurs don't understand your journey, don't understand what you go through. Yeah. And their perspective isn't accurate because they don't know what it's like to be in that world. Right. And so seek out wise counsel, listen to podcasts like this, where you hear other people's stories that will encourage and empower you because we have to be very intentional about what we're putting into our minds. And when you can hear stories like this of overcoming, you can align with those people. You can, you know, hop on here and find, find all of Tom's links in the, in the description below and get connected with him, follow him. And if this is someone who you're like, oh, this is what I've been, this is what I've been looking for. I've been trying to figure this out. He's the one that I align with. Click his link, get a call with him, work with his company because At the end of the day, the only decision that matters, the only voice that matters is our own. That's right. So so take these stories that you're hearing and hear how people are overcoming and allow that to empower you Mm -hmm. because it's all about growing forward. Yep. Yeah. uh, Very well said, Dina. Thank you for saying that. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I greatly appreciate you being here a second time. And I hope you understand that I value your time so, so much. And I am beyond, I, I grateful doesn't express my gratitude. Uh, happy to be here. here today. Happy to be here. Happy to connect with your audience. And anyone who wants to reach out to me can go to storypowermarketing.com and, and uh, you'll find me there. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dina. Mm-hmm. 